Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Chris Fowler from our St. Catharines location, and this is the irresistible Nate Dirks from uh, Vineland. And uh, we have the privilege of chatting with you this morning, kind of podcast style, so it's not kind of a normal preach. Um, but we get to introduce a new series and give the first talk. And the series this uh, month is called Hashtag I-C-Y-M-I. Now, I'm ancient as the hills. I had no clue what that meant, but all the cool kids apparently use it to say, in case you missed it. And the in case you missed it for this month is actually about going back and reflecting on the ways that God has actually shaped us in some pretty significant defining moments over the last years that we've been a church. Um, so the, the, the subtitle of this series is called uh, Catching Our Community's Heart. Well, I know that, I mean, you've, you, you said that you're as ancient as the hills. I didn't say it, but now I'm saying that because you've been around here longer than I have, at least, you experienced some of the things that I haven't over the years. And so it's cool to be able to, to lean into some of that together. And I think that what's, what's neat for us as a community right now is that we just finished this book on Philippians and yep. just, just going through the book of Philippians and a series on Philippians. And it's been really neat to just sort of see just uh, some of the, the terminology that we use there. And early in Philippians, it says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion yep. until the day of Christ Jesus. And what's neat here is we get to talk about things that were influential years before I was a part of our church community, but I know that I've experienced and that I've just been able to sort of receive and just to sort of know that, that Southridge's story as one small part of the body of Christ is just ongoing, that we just have just different parts of our journeys, the good and the bad, but that that just keeps on moving in this invitation for the opportunity for the story to keep going in this good work that's been started to increasingly be moving in that direction towards Jesus, uh, even in all the mistakes that we make over the years. That we he, get to, to keep moving like that together. Yeah, it's like revisiting those things that God started can maybe be part of how he wants to continue to do the good work in us. It's not complete yet, but at this midway point, we're going to keep looking forward. So the first uh, time that we're going to go back to is actually a time about 20 years ago in our church. It was a very defining season. Yeah, and I know that I remember there was there was a season that we experienced and what I've heard is that there was there was a book that was that kind of broke into some of what was going on at the time and that was really influential for us. So what what was that? So so Tom Lowen at the time, this is like 2001-ish, was actually working at a church plant in Calgary and him and his leadership team had come across this book. I'll show you here, The Church of Irresistible Influence. And he, they were just ravaged by it and really excited about it. And Tom had come home to Niagara just to visit and in his enthusiasm shared with some of our leaders uh, what was just so exciting about it. And so based on that, uh, some of our leaders began to take in the book and it was, it was just very compelling. The more that we read it, it kind of captured our imagination as well. But this, this sobering question was, if your church just up and disappeared today, would anyone except the people in your church that, that gathered regularly for those weekly services even notice? Mm or care. Um, so unlike what can and often does happen in a church that becomes insulated and self-absorbed, Jesus is this original bridge builder mm -hmm. incarnating the God who is loved, not just by preaching a message, 
Um, but by demonstrating that love in action, healing sick people, paying special attention to those on the margins, especially the ones who are marginalized because they were, quote, bad. So even if, so being a community, if we're, if we're focused kind of inward, even if we're there and loving each other and all that, we're actually missing the point that Jesus is saying, don't just be loving yourselves in sort of a inside of your walls, but instead actually have this outward focus as a community. And that's actually what the kingdom of God is all about in this church community. Like how did that work in the timing of, of who we were as a church at the time? Yeah. And how did that even actually just Well, work? You're, you're touching on the second reason that this book was so significant, not just its message, but it was the timeliness of it. Uh, when we came across this book, more people have been coming to Fairview Louth, which was the name of our church at the time, over the past few years. And we had uh, had a space out on 9th Street Louth, out in the countryside. Um, but we rented space problems when we kind of maxed out two services. And that gets you asking questions like, what now? Uh, so we started to think about like, do we do, I don't know, a church plant? Or do we merge with this other church that we have a, a great relationship? Do we buy more land on 9th Street? And one of the ideas that uh, had some early traction was uh, one of our elders asking the question, you know, what if a school like the St. Catherine's Collegiate uh, came up for sale? Like it's got an auditorium, it's got a gym, there's lots of other spaces, like kind of in the heart of the city uh, that we could do uh, with it. And interestingly, uh, it seems like, it's a little fuzzy, but it seems like a little in passing, someone had mentioned to one of our board members that 201 Glenridge, where we are now, Lady Spencer Churchill School, was for sale, but at first it didn't gain a lot of, like it just didn't get deeply discussed. Um, what ended up happening is we went really far down the road of trying to buy land around uh, our space uh, on 9th Street. Um, but we ran into all these zoning, fire code, problems, needing to buy acres so we could build on acres. It, it just got so convoluted and expensive, we decided we needed to take a look elsewhere. And that's when uh, we came back or came in earnest to this idea, what about 201 Glenridge? Uh, our leadership team toured the school and got so excited within four days, we had put an offer in on this place. So let's move from the vineyards, let's move to, to downtown. You got it. And it feels like so it was the, the things that were happening kind of simultaneously was that, you know, we're being encouraged as a church to, to be looking, you know, outside of ourselves. And then at the same time, there was this opportunity just to be like, well, I think that, that something does need to change here. So let's look outside of ourselves, even how we situate ourselves. So what happened then after... After moving like close to, to the downtown of St. Yeah. Catharines, what, what, what would that look like? Yeah, well, I mean, so we moved into 201 Glenridge in uh, 2003, and uh, uh, the, the issue of homelessness kind of came to our attention and being a 20-minute walk from the downtown. Through the grapevine, we had heard that uh, one of the churches that had been participating in the Out of the Cold program, which, is, which was a kind of a nomadic one-day-a-week um, some people in our homeless uh, population would stay at different churches as an emergency shelter in the winter months from November 1 to March 31. And, and so because this one church wanted to kind of wrap up their relationship with the space, using their space for it, we were able to step in and, and begin to periodically house our homeless friends in, a, in just a dipping our toe in the water kind of a way. So then what happens after that is we start to have some conversations with our city, with the region, 
and start to talk about what it might look like to have a temporary summer shelter because as we all know it doesn't just miraculously turn into nice weather on april the first and in the midst of that experiment as that went along they actually engaged us in more conversation and on november 1 2005 we opened the southridge shelter and have been open basically every day since i know that's just so much about people with people, right? There's just like feeding each other and, be, and sharing meals together and, yeah. and working to serve each other's needs and get to know each other and all of that, which I think just really pushes, has really pushed our community, a lot of us individually out of our comfort zones over the years. And I think there's just a, something so beautiful in that because I think as we've done that, you know, you've talked about the fact that you can sort of see that, that that's really drawn people. I know that drew me in yeah. years yeah, yeah. ago, you know, over a decade ago, the thing that drew me in from another part of Niagara starting to come here was to just be started volunteering at the shelter and started working at the shelter because I was just I was just drawn towards that just seeing these beautiful opportunity for relationship that was so different and I know that there a lot of people have shared that story and been drawn towards that they became a no-brainer uh, so that it really is in my humble opinion the opening of the shelter was the best thing that could have happened to our church mm -hmm. probably the most significant thing that happened to our church up until that up until that time because it it forced us out of our comfort zones uh to see god at work in new ways to you know choose to attempt to break through these socioeconomic barriers um a lot of our folks were sort of middle class upper middle class people and when there are homeless friends actually living at your church building you are forced to see that homelessness is not just an issue is about people. And once you start rubbing shoulders with those people, your, your common humanity starts to emerge. Well, I love the idea that the, the irresistibility and the influence in that isn't just, it's not, it's not just, it's not about power. Yeah. It's actually about yeah. if we can be more human and relinquish power and actually find out people who are experiencing just being spit out on the other side of all of the power, power dynamics that we have in our community, that actually that's the thing that's gonna draw us in. So, so how does that kind of, uh, put a different spin on the word influence for you when you think of how we use that these days. <laughs> I've got a, I got a love-hate relationship <laughs> with the word influence. I mean, influence can be a bad thing. Uh, I mean, you can have a bad motive, you can have a bad means, you can have a bad impact. Or That's can, just, just bad. Or you can just have kind of a pointless one of just influencing each other to buy certain things. Or, yeah, yeah, you're, you're just kind of being manipulated by marketing, right? Um, or worse, you're like, somebody's actually trying to power up over you. Um, but like exercising Jesus style of influence as is nothing like that. Um, it's not about coercing anybody into anything for any reason. Um, it's like, yeah, it's like you're not trying to be popular through viral social media accounts, you know, headlines, big platforms, celebrity, uh, all of that stuff just if you starts to feel really gross actually. And exercising Jesus style of influence is simply about, well, first of all, it's about humbly coming to Christ as an individual, just as a person and letting him love me back to life so that I am not motivated by anything but love. And then it's at that point that I begin to mimic, uh, imitate the example of Jesus through respectful invitation to relationship in the way of Jesus. I'm not manipulating, I'm not coercing, I'm not trying to shove anything down anybody's throat. Yeah, the Jesus way of influence 
you, you think of it in culture, the, the way of influence is an increase in visibility and power, and the Jesus way of influence is relinquishing of power, relinquishing of authority. I relinquish my authority by letting God love me, and then that same way, uh, just kind of breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. It's a rhythm of letting the love of God do things in the way that the love of God does it. What does it mean to, you know, when we talk about it being irresistible, yeah. that, that sounds kind of like a power word as well. If being irresistible is an invitation to beauty, goodness, peace, joy, love, life-giving stuff, it kind of works in a, I can't help it because it's so good kind of way. That's the kind of stuff you want to say, bring it on. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it feels like, you know, Jesus has, you know, talked about, he just gave us the analogy. He said, let, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Right? Yes. You know, in the book of John, it says, whoever believes in me, rivers of life will flow from within them. Yes. Right? Yes. There's, there's something about that, that when Jesus is inviting to that, that's an invitation. Yeah. Right? There, when, when, when we all are thirsty and when we all have sort of a need and we're all drawn to this thing, the invitation to say, well, here's, here's a place for you to receive that thing. Mm -hmm. That's not coercive. There's an irresistibility to that just because we're, we naturally want that and we're drawn towards that. And it's an open invitation. We're to all thirsty. It. We all need water. And when I let that start in me and there's a spring that starts to bubble up in me, it cannot help but bubble up and out. And then that water just flows down the ground. You can't stop it. You might put up a dam, but more water's coming. So it's going to flow over it. And all it does is keep nourishing the land until there's this abundant uh, fruit, vegetation, harvest. That's just a huge blessing for everybody around. And so if, the, if that sort of always produces life, if that's something that always leads towards abundance and life and joy and community together. So like, what are the ways that we actually you know, should be actually staying focused in this Jesus-like kind of way yeah. to this sort of like irresistible influence instead of like this, this power-like, uh, you know, form of, you know, coercive influence. Okay, yeah, so it's, it's kind of like you said before, Jesus started something in us back in the day and kind of like our moment right now is where, where do we find ourselves and, and how is Jesus wanting to do that in a refreshed kind of a way? And I think that there's two metaphors that Jesus talked about that, that talk, uh, that talk about it in this not powering up kind of a way, mm -hmm. that this is how this influence happens. Um, I want to read from Matthew 13, because these are Jesus' own words. He used metaphors to describe what the kingdom of God was like, what it looks like to influence in a Jesus-y kind of a way. Mm -hmm. So this is what he said. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of God is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. So it's like Jesus' influence is like a tiny mustard seed being planted in the ground. It's unnoticed, it's hidden. It's, you don't observe it, it's unobservable. It's getting nurtured and then slowly it pops up to a sap or little shoot and then eventually becomes this largest of garden plants and has the effect of birds finding shelter, finding home in its branches. Mm -hmm. Jesus influences like yeast in bread. It does its thing, it's unnoticed, it's hidden, it's unobservable. But then all of a sudden this slow work turns this kind of rock of 
dough into this fluffy goodness that just nourishes anyone who partakes of it. In the kind of moving from back then to the now, I, like I'm wondering if there's a couple of stories we could chat through uh, that could be encouraging, that could be inspiring about how maybe God is continuing to do some of that stuff among us today. I know my, my predecessor, uh, Tim, who had been, you know, connected in our Vineland community where there were some questions there where, you know, early on in our in our story, we had been like, well, let's move from the vineyards to where there are, where there are people and let's move downtown and it's yeah, been yeah. amazing. And then the, we all make mistakes and a lot of the time we're doing the right things for God and then we're still not seeing the whole picture. We eventually realized the vineyards are full of people. Yes. We're actually overlooking people right there. And I remember just hearing about just in the, in the early stages of that, after some of the, you know, the awkwardness and you start to get to know each other. And as some of those were, were, were growing, there were some conversations that started happening, uh, even among some of our Caribbean friends and Canadian friends kind of together. Yeah. And as you do, and you get to know each other and start hearing about things from each other's lives. And it started to emerge that a lot of our friends were experiencing medical challenges, various things, but very specifically medical challenges. And they weren't going to, to receive help for that. My employment is actually tied to, 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 to the work that I'm doing here, like working hard. And if the employer knows that I'm seeking medical attention, I don't know if I'll be invited back next year. And yeah, I've got to be strong. I've got to be, be healthier. I'm so, not coming back. Absolutely. Even if it's putting out a front of strength, I got to do that. And so there were guys who were there, not necessarily knowing who, would, you know, some farmers who just have these really wonderful hearts and just want to have love for their, for their guys. But the system really was putting two people groups at odds with each other, it continues mm. to. Mm. We have this system that we, it just does that. Mm. And so the, a lot of our friends were just experiencing and weren't actually able to lean into medical help. So in relationship, it was like, well, how, what, is there a third way to do this? Is there a way that we can confidentially set up medical support for you where you can do this outside of the public eye and, and that can be closer to home so you can access that easier? Well, and at a time that works for you. A time that works for you when you're not out working and not just skipping out on work and without the same labor kind of uh, law opportunities that, that Canadians have. You needed something that different. And so Tim was like, well, I am not a doctor, but let me see. And there's another doctor in our community, Dr. Mackay, who stepped in and set up an evening and then through Dr. Mackay and then through our friend, Rachel, who just has just amazing administrative and just organizational skills and started organizing a time for guys to come in. And it looked like it turned out all the needs were just massive. Hmm. And you fast forward years later, a decade later, and just on a regular basis, all we have this big health clinic community of support that exists in the church where this there's a regular uh, rhythm of, of our Caribbean friends coming through there. That's so cool. Um, you got more stories. Share another one with us. Well, I was thinking about that in regards to the, you know, in our, in our Welland community, we've experienced similar things of just like the, again, the quiet, non-headline grabbing thing that this is, is the relationship and just, just that posture and what comes out of that. I know we have, you know, our, our friend Doug uh, has shared with us about the fact that, you know, he had, he had been coming from a place where he and his wife Jan, who had just been just these wonderful leaders over the years in a church context, and found themselves in a space where they had just been hurt by the church. And even within that context, Doug was, you know, was feeling that and was was willing to actually lean into a friend, our friend Ken, who had basically said, hey, come on, come on out and be a part of this, be a part of community in this way through, through the church. And I'd invite him out to these community dinners uh, that, that Ken and, and a lot of folks do in, in Welland. Harvest Kitchen. Harvest Kitchen. And just being able to sort of say, how do we you know, alleviate sort of like our isolation and our, the financial needs that we have and let's just share meals together. Sure. And in coming out to that, Doug experienced uh, you know, different people and somebody who just gravitated towards him and he to, uh, to, to him as well was, was this guy named Dennis and Dennis and Doug just got to know each other. And as they, you know, started to, to get to know each other, it kind of grew from there. And, 
And what was interesting is that Dennis was just was was in a pretty dark place himself mm. and was experiencing mm. a lot of despair. Mm. And he just shared with us, and, and I think a lot of us had seen that at the time, just just the, the sort of despair and darkness that he was he was living at that time. And as they got to know each other, Doug and Dennis realized that they had, you know, mutual passion for, you know, woodworking projects and started doing projects in, at Doug's place with that. And Dennis has a lot of creativity and their friendship just grew. And in that way, they both kind of broke into the, the darkness that both of them were feeling, hmm. that they were just both experiencing individually and, and systemically and just all of that. And there was just like a, a, an outpouring of that that just became so... Uh, filling that both of them were kind of isolating okay. and now we're not isolating we're actually being in community together it just sort of filled them up so much that Dennis has, has talked about the fact that over the uh, that at that time instead of just even isolating even more he was so filled that he was like oh man I just love how this what this relationship is in my life and he's like I have more I have more to offer here and he was noticing a, a, a person named Riley who's in mm-hmm. our community as well and then Riley was in our, our community there, and D- Dennis said, well, I, th- I have more to give. I want to get to know this guy, Riley, because I really feel like like I could just pour into his life as well. And Riley, over the years, has also just been, you know, he was baptized here recently and just is just an impactful person in our community, too, to people like Doug. And you can just see how all of that just cycled back into community and this, this mutual Im- impact on each other. So in a where do we go from here kind of thing, it's, it's kind of like more, Jesus. Uh, keep allowing us to make more friends, to see more things. And we don't even know what we don't know yet. So keep revealing more to us so that we can be more like yeast and bread, be like more like seeds planted in the ground through these larger collaborative kind of things. So there's three questions I want to ask this morning. There's maybe three different audiences listening to us right now. Uh, The first question would be, uh, Will I invite the irresistible influence of the love of God in Christ to bubble up in me like a spring of water to give me the spiritual life I've been aching for? And And what might be holding me back from this? Well, totally. And then that's got to be, it's a personal invitation, but then that has to to connect with other people, right? Well, absolutely. Once that life starts to bubble up in me, and we really do have to actually consciously open up to receive it, once that does happen, The next step then is this question. How might I dip my toe into the water of letting the irresistible influence of God's love in Christ naturally spread like yeast through me to someone else? What might be holding me back from that? And we've seen and we talked about the fact that 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 then does actually even have results that are visible because it changes those dynamics in the world around us, that power dynamic in the, the community that's around us as well. Well, absolutely. Uh, and then what happens though, when that love starts to multiply in that non-power kind of a way, people start to come together and collaborate and do things like big tree kind of stuff happens. So the very last question we'd like to ask is what unique role might I play to collaborate with a team of others to let the irresistible love of God in Christ flow out of us collectively like a large mustard plant to meet the practical needs of an ever-increasing circle of people. And then asking once again, like, what might be holding me back from that? Well, I think that what I really like in all of this is, again, in the, in the moment in, our, in you know, the story of us as, as this small part of the body of Christ, of the church that is Southridge, that we got to experience some kind of eye-opening years ago. And there was a start of that, that that just continues now, and that we get to be a part of that, hopefully in increasing ways of just what God is calling us to in this relinquishing and just inviting the irresistible influence of Jesus in our lives, really relationally. Well, let me pray for us. And uh, this has been a great conversation, Nate. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. Heavenly Father, 
the way that you have revealed yourself to us in Christ, pouring yourself out, relinquishing power, becoming one of us, incarnating love, so that we could know that we know that we know how beloved we are uh, to you. I pray that that could capture all of our hearts. And as it does, uh, and your living water bubbles up within us, I pray that it would flow out of us in very compelling and beautiful, even irresistible ways, so that uh, everyone around us can see how truly good you are, uh, that you want to meet us where we're at and bring us to an ever-increasing place of wholeness. What a privilege to participate with you in that process. In Jesus' name, amen.